Good to see you all this morning. Y'all are wide awake, huh? I could hear that. That's, uh, that's really nice there. Yeah, welcome to Community Baptist Church. Hey guys, um, if you're visiting with us this morning, we are glad that you have chosen to be at Community Baptist Church. Please do me a favor before you leave on the uh, foyer table, there is a little welcome packet. And we would love for you to have one of those. So please, on your way out, stop and grab uh, that information. There's a little card inside if you want to fill that out. Leave it. That's wonderful. We appreciate it. We'd love to have your information. We can let you know when things are coming up here at Community. And speaking of things coming up, you heard the announcements Pastor Nate made, but I want to make another reminder. Uh, my basketball players, uh, tonight is your one and only practice before you go into the game. So nothing like being prepared, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, we prepare tonight and tomorrow's battle. So it ought to be interesting. Please, if, if you are planning on participating this year, uh, see Coach Seth. Ooh, new coach in the house. Raise your hand, Seth. He's that snazzy looking guy back there. That's Seth. Please uh, touch base with Seth. Uh, practice time tonight will be immediately after the Bible study. We hope you'll come for that at 6 o'clock. Dr. Shook is doing that. If uh, you're not a teenager, and uh, so we would love for you to come, and immediately afterwards we have a business meeting, and then uh, practice will begin. So uh, didn't you say, Seth, you're going to have them run a bunch of laps tonight if they're late, right? Something like that? Anyway, uh, hope you'll be out here. And then church, we got to support this. Let me just say, 13 churches from the community. I'm talking from Kinston to Goldsboro. Yeah, praise the Lord. I mean, that's good stuff. Andrew does a good... Where did Kelly? She took off on me. Anyway... Uh, Andrew does a great job uh, contacting these churches and getting folks involved. And listen, these teams travel well. Some churches travel a little better than others. And we're the home team. So we need your support. Come out and cheer on the CBC. We've got to come up with a, a name. We've been the Bombers. We've been the Braves. I don't know. We've got to come up with a good name, Coach. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, the Tommy Norman section, we get it going over there pretty loud with the defense. So we, we need your help, though. Can't just be me and Tommy yelling all the time. Please come out, support your team. It's a great evening. Uh, we have concessions, so you can eat supper here, enjoy time uh, with the family. It's a lot of fun. Hope you'll be a part of that. All right, uh, this morning we are going to uh, begin our part one of a part two visionary sermon. Now, every year at the beginning of the year, I like to do what we call these visionary sermons where sort of set the tempo and tone in, in, in the direction we as a church uh, want to go in following the Lord in 2018, in this year. And so these are some things that have just sort of been bubbling around in my heart and mind as of late. And uh, so I want to kind of uh, put this before us, sort of cast this vision out in front of us in hopes that uh, uh, we are following after the Lord in obedience in this year to come. With that said, last week was supposed to have been part one. This week was supposed to be part two. Last week, uh, we uh, ended up with, the, because of the weather, I decided to hold off on that, did just a special, special message on prayer. We did get an audio on that. Maybe that'll be listed on a podcast. I encourage you to listen to it because anything that is done needs to be done in the power of Christ. And where we plug in is in the power of prayer. And so let's connect in that sense in uh, seeking the Lord prayerfully this year. With that said, I got a dilemma. I can't do part one today and part two next Sunday because speaking of prayer, you need to be praying for your pastor. Friday is my knee surgery. 
And so I'm going to be out of commission on Sunday morning pulpit for about three weeks. But rest assured, you're in good hands, uh, even though Nate doesn't work for Allstate. He'll be here. Actually, Pastor Dean does next Sunday, and then Pastor Nate the following Sunday, and then Dr. Shook uh, first Sunday in February. So uh, pray for these guys as they prepare and bring a message that God puts on their heart. Pray for, I'll say pray for me, but really pray for my wife. <laughs> She's the one that's got to put up with the baby, right? And I'm a big baby when I'm sick, man. So, yeah, she knows. She ain't meant that. Y'all heard that, didn't you? So, uh, so yeah, pray for her. But uh, anyway, that's this Friday. I, I definitely covet your prayers on that. So what I got to do is part one today, and we'll do part two, Lord willing, Wednesday night. So if you want to hear the conclusion of this, come join us Wednesday night, and uh, I trust you will not be disappointed. There's some good information that I want to share with you uh, today. With that being said, this is a topical message. And so the topical messages aren't uh, line by line, verse by verse. Uh, this will be light on Scripture, but strong in principle. Um, so if I don't hit a lot of passages today, uh, understand that these are uh, backed and supported from the authority of God. With that said, let's take a look at today's message. You lead, I'll follow. Being who God designed you to be. I'm a firm believer that man is not an island to himself. You've heard this said before. If you are here this morning and you think, you know, I just don't know where I fit in. I don't know my importance. I don't. Let me assure you that God created you and designed you with purpose, with intent. You and your life has great value. You are created in the very image of God. That in and of itself gives great exceeding value to your worth your self-worth. This is why we as evangelical Christians, we as believers in Christ, we are big on the importance and sanctity of life. Life is vital. Life is precious. Whether it's in the womb or prior to the tomb, young and old, life is precious. And you are created in the image of God. Now the problem is, our image is marred because of everything that bombards us through music, through television, through influence of society and culture. And we get all these messages that are lies and trying to tell you who you are, who you're supposed to be, and we buy into those lies. And that's why we try to live a life modeled after this, that, or the other and we never really understand our true value. We never really understand, if we pursue those avenues, what our real worth is, what we were truly created to be. There's only one place and one place only that you and I will ever find our value and our self-worth and what we were purposed for, and that is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now that may sound like just some preaching message or pre preaching point, but guys, that is the foundational truth to discovering who you are and your purpose in life. 
If you do not know Jesus Christ in a personal, intimate relationship, you will never really understand why you're here. You'll, you'll think it's in fulfilling this job or this career. You'll think it's maybe in getting married and having children. You'll, you'll think it's maybe building up a nice nest egg so you can retire and have all the toys in the world. But gang, at the end of the day, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? You will never be satisfied in this life apart from Jesus Christ. The sooner you come to understand that and we can humble ourselves before a holy God who's created us, we can get on track in life doing what God has designed us to do. So with that said, I want us to keep that in mind as we go through this morning message. And uh, if I can get my clicker to work, what am, I, <laughs> what am I doing wrong here, Carver? It's called dead battery? Okay. So I'll let you be my clicker, please. If that works. Still not working? Yeah, now it's, you know what's going to happen now, right? It's going to fast forward like 10 times, but I'm still clicking, my friend. Oh, there we go. Hey, is that the first slide? Oh, it's behind me. What am I seeing it there? Was I going through all these behind me this whole time? Yeah. Well, I'm, that's real smart, isn't it? Man, y'all already seen my whole sermon. Let's go home. <laughs> okay. All right, let's try this again. I can look back here, brother. That's all right. That's fine. That's fine then. Not a problem. Hey, welcome, Community Baptist Church. 360 Leadership. How many of you have heard of that before, that terminology? Some of you may be in the business world, you've been trained. You know, this is kind of the big thing going, you know, the 360 leading, 360 leading. What does 360 leading mean? Well, it basically means this. You, whoever you are, that's you, we are all leaders in some sense. You influence people around you. Your life is influenced by others. Now, depending upon where you are in life, whatever, you may be leading down. Okay, now this is common leadership. This is sort of that, that supervisor who, who leads down. He has to, uh, to, to give the instructions downward to the employees or those who are underneath him, right? And sometimes in, in leadership, by the way, this, this, is, this is nothing new. Jeremy didn't come up with this. Um, gentlemen, well, of course, you know Bill Hybels. There's a, a, another, uh, a couple other gentlemen. Steve, Steve Stroop, pastor out of Dallas. If you want more of this, we're going to look at some more information on Wednesday night from him. But this is where this is coming from this morning. 360 leading. Many of you are in roles in life, sometimes as a parent, sometimes as a church member in a volunteer role. You are leading downward. Others are leading upward. I'll give you a good example. Pastor Nate serves alongside me, but I can assure you he leads me upward in the sense, not just the basketball, but uh, he helps me a lot with his leadership. Even though in his role, he's a youth pastor assistant, associate type pastor, he leads me a lot by his life, by the things he does, by the influence he brings to this ministry. There are also those, and he serves in this, this way as well, the leading laterally. Sometimes when we serve alongside someone. So many of you, you're in a position at work where you're alone with co-workers, and what you do is you lead sort of together. There's a group effort in what's being done, a team approach in leading. And sometimes in your roles in ministry or wherever it may be, uh, that's where you find yourself. 
We're all, we're all doing some type of leadership, whether it's upward, whether it's downward, whether it's laterally. And so a, a, a lot of times this is where the emphasis is placed. All of your leadership trainings and things like that to be a better leader, this is what they'll focus on. Even within the church, within ministry, this is, this is oftentimes their instruction and approach. Pastor uh, Stroop, he, he makes this statement, and, and I like this. He says, if you want to be a really good leader, though, you need to first understand self-leadership. Self-leadership. And what does that look like? Self-leadership begins with a self-evaluation. Self-evaluation. This message this morning, what I want us to do is collectively together, we're going to go through an exploration. We're going to allow the Word of God, the Spirit of God to search us so we can do self-evaluation in order to be better leaders. Because Community Baptist Church, this year what I, what I desire most of all in my prayer is that starting with me to you to whomever God should bring to us, that we will lead in 2018 for the cause of Christ. That we will be influence and in, in agents of change in our workplace, in our schools, in the community, on the basketball court. We will be light bearers. We will lead for God's glory. So, let me give you another. If you want to go to Samuel chapter 30, that's fine. I'm going to give you a little synopsis of, of, of this account. And this is from Bill Hybels. You like big Bibles? I like Bill Hybels. Okay, here we go. Consider 1 Samuel 30. David, the future king of Israel, is a young emerging leader at, at the time. He's just learning to lead his troops into battle. He's green. David's young. This is his first go at it. But God is pouring His favor on David, and most of the time, the battles go His way. We've read the Scriptures, right? One terrible day, though, that pattern changes. After returning home from fighting yet another enemy, David and his men discover soldiers have taken and attacked and destroyed their campsite. They've dragged off the women, taken the women and children, and they've burned all of their belongings. Now you think you've had a rough day. But it's not over. His soldiers are tired, they're angry and they're worried sick about their families. They're miffed at God. A faction of his men spread word that they've had it with David's leadership. Ever been there? They were tired of David's leadership. They figure it's all David's fault. They decide to stone him to death. <laughs> There's an idea, huh? In this crisis, David's leadership is severely tested. Suddenly, he has to decide who needs leadership the most. His soldiers, the officers, the factions. Who needs his leadership the most? His answer, none of the above. In this critical moment, he realizes a foundational truth. He has to lead himself before he can lead anybody else. 
Did you hear that? Let me say that again. He has to lead himself before he can lead anybody else. Unless he's squared away internally, he has nothing to offer his team. So, what does David do? Notice what the Scripture says in verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Gang, this is where we've got to start. I don't know what we're facing. I don't know what you're facing. But this is where it starts. Me and you are no good to the team until we deal with self strengthened internally by Him. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So, self-leadership. This is where we begin. Part of self-leadership means you know yourself well. All right, if you got your bulletins, you're not taking notes, I want to encourage you to flip it over because I want you to write some stuff. All right, now, it's going to be fun. Play along, play my games, right? And, um, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a little self-evaluation. Self-leadership means you know yourself well. Let's see how well you know yourself. All right? First question, what are you bad at? Don't, don't volunteer it out loud. Write down, what are you bad at? Now, I don't mean bad as in, you know, I'm bad, I'm bad. Luke likes that song. Makes me play it all the time. Anyway, what are you bad at? Let me tell you what pastor's bad at, and I don't need an amen from the men I worked with yesterday. I'm bad at construction. I'm good at destruction, and you want me to break down a house and kick it into walls out, I'm, man, give me a sledgehammer. I'll, man, I'll go to town on that thing. But I just don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. It's like a, 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 my dad was awesome at it. That's what he did all his life. And I think that maybe why I'm so bad at it is because at a young age, I didn't want to go into dad's line of work. Dad was very smart. He was a very smart man. He tried to teach me from the ground up. Well, in construction, if you know what the ground up is, you don't want to start with the ground, because I'm telling you, it's, you literally start with the ground. I was digging ditches, I was shoveling stuff, I was always the one, you know, having to dig the hole, move the trash, clean the places up, sweep the floors. All of that was always my job with that. Now, eventually I got graduated, and I got to do some grading, and I got to pour some concrete. Man, I was like, oh, now it's getting exciting. But then he put me back on the shoveling stuff. I guess I didn't do so good with it. And I'll forget it. So I am terrible at home repairs and little maintenance stuff. Now, with the invention of YouTube, I've gotten better. I'm just saying. But I'm bad at it. So, guys, let me tell you. When you're bad at something, it's okay to grow and learn. That's cool. Try that. But sometimes as a leader, you just need to know you're bad at it. And don't do it. Part of leadership is relegating and delegating responsibilities to cover areas that you stink at. If you want the team to do well, and use my basketball illustration, if I'm a 6'10 center, I'm bad at dribbling and shooting three-pointers. We know the guy that played in the league that I'm describing. <laughs> anyway. But he would always try to be the point guard. If you're 6'10, you don't shoot three-pointers... 
when everybody else in the league is 5'11". You just stand under the rim. And he was bad at three-pointers, but that's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted to do. Guys, we've got to learn. Leadership 101, self-awareness, self-evaluation. If you stink at it, stop doing it. Well, what are you good at? Now, what I mean by this and what, what, what is instructed by this is, is that, for example, um, maybe, maybe, you're good at, maybe you're good at cooking, but you're not good enough to the point that you're going to make a career at it. That's what we're talking about. So what is something, just maybe write down a few things that you're good at, but you're not going to quit your day job. All right? Now, I, I, I consider on this one, I, I believe that I am good in the area of hospitality. I enjoy having folks over and entertaining folks and throwing a little, you know, end of the year party, shrimp bowls and things like that. But I'm not going to go into a catering business. All right? I'm not going to go into party planning. It's just not what I'm going to do. But I enjoy hospitality. I enjoy having folks over. I enjoy the company. I enjoy putting on the events. I mean, I'm okay at that. What are you good at? Now, again, sometimes in leadership, these are things that can be incorporated in whatever your circle is. But what are you great at? What are you, what are you great at? You, you know what I'm great at? This is going to sound terrible, isn't it? But you're going to, you're going to say, oh, yeah, 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 you are good. I, I'm great at talking. <laughs> what y'all laughing at? But guys, listen, it's okay. I have, I have learned to accept who I am. God has given me the gift of gab. For me to deny that would be wrong. Yes, it's the butt of jokes, but that's okay. I'm, I'm over it. All right? I recognize this is... This is who I am. Who are you? What are you great at? Can I encourage you if you're great at something? Explore that. Use that. Most importantly, though, we use it for God's glory. So I figured I could... Years ago, I used the gift of gab for various things that weren't very profitable. But praise be to God that... In his plan, it can now be used for his namesake. And I love to talk about Jesus. You don't want to get caught with me in the elevator because we're going to discuss things. But what, have we, what is our unique ability? What have you been designed to do? Now, let me say, sometimes this is, this, this is, there's, there's a blurring of a line. I don't want us to get too blurred in this line. Some of us are talented and gifted in that. Okay, that's not a spiritual gift. Some of you may have skill sets that you've developed over the year, talents and abilities. That's great. As believers, we get giftedness from the Spirit of God. These are two different things. So, for example, you could be a great singer. You could have the unique ability of singing, but that's not a spiritual gift. Now, you can use your spiritual gift. Let's say your spiritual gift was the gift of mercy. You could use your unique talent to show compassion to people who are hurting. Maybe you go to a, to a rest home and you use that unique gift to sing praise to God, to soothe and comfort the hearts of the listener. Hey, that's a wonderful thing. You see how the, we, can, we can work our talents for God's glory. But what is your unique ability? What is the unique ability for you to do? 
And so, again, I, I believe that God has not only gifted, but He's also called me to lead in this role as a shepherd, as a pastor. But where in your life is God at work? Self-leadership. What's the bottom line? Know yourself. Know yourself, because if we understand who we are, then we can better understand where our weaknesses are. We can understand where we're good at and things that we're great at and how God has uniquely made us again for His glory. Because at the end of the day, guys, that's what it's good for. And if we're not utilizing it for that, it's a wasted, it's a wasted time, talent, and ability. Psalm 139 13 and 14 says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Later on, the psalmist goes on in that passage and concludes that text like this. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Gang, can you understand if we do a little self-inspection, a little reflection on our life and who we are, and this becomes a, becomes a prayer and a cry of our heart, God hears this. He knows this. And this year, this is my desire. This is, this is where I'm at. I am crying this out. I am calling this out. We're going to talk about on Wednesday night. I don't get too far ahead of myself, but Lord willing, we're going to talk about we're either in four places in life. We're either in the dream stage, and that's where man, you know, for, for maybe a new believer, that's where you just come into to just believing, and it's, everything's exciting, and you're dreaming big. If, for, for the folks who are married, this is sort of like the, the, the newlywed couple, you know, and it's like the engagement in the newlywed, and it's just, oh, you know, it's the dream stage. And then we go into this do stage, and that's where we're putting feet to those dreams, and we're living it out, and we're doing things, and we're, we're in a ministry, we're planning, we're sowing, and we're doing, and it's just, man, this is, this is the do stage. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in that third, which is the drag. The doldrums, as Steve would refer to it. And, and again, we'll go into this on Wednesday, Lord willing. Are any of you in the drags? In the, in the oh, just sort of in a funk, desert place, in a rut, drained? It's not the dream stage anymore. It's not the, you know, it's not the honeymoon. It's not the, it's not the doing. Now, now, I said I wasn't going to give too much away. because, But anyway, what ends up happening here for a lot of people, especially pastors, you know how long the lifespan of most pastors is? Three years. Three years. Now, praise be to God and an awesome group of people. God has allowed our time to be a lot further than that. Praise be to God. And we serve as if He calls us tomorrow or takes us home today. God's will be done. But what happens with most pastors is we get into this stage, and look, a lot of people in marriage do the same thing. They get into this third stage, and then they beeline right back to the doing, because if we can just do more and do better and do greater, then all of a sudden, hey, we're going to be all right again, right? We're going to get back to those glory days. Mm -mm. 
this is the wrong approach. And so we'll talk about this Wednesday, Lord willing, but what, what, what happens is there's a fourth stage and it's called um, the dark stage. It's the cocoon stage, if you will. And what happens is like a worm that gets inside the cocoon where it's alone and it's dark and there's pressure and just begins to be still. And guys, sometimes we need to go through some junk. And sometimes we need to stay in the valley because God's working on us. And the goal is that we don't go back, we go forward. Even though it's hard and it's difficult, and we need to take time in that cocoon stage and allow God to work on us. And this is where that self-inspection and reflection begins. And we begin to ask God these questions. Our soul begins to cry out. And if we allow God to work on us in that stage, then you know the result. Some of you are there. I'm with you. But what God is teaching me from the drag that I've been in for about a year and a half now is that I've got to go through the cocoon. And I'm in the cocoon. And I covered your prayers. Because I know as long as I continue to keep my eyes on Christ and I continue to move forward by His grace, I know the end result. You know the end result. Let's let God have His way. Right? I'm learning some stuff, guys. Your pastor's growing. And so, that takes us back into the dreaming again which is going to inspire us to do again. We're going to talk about Wednesday night, what Pastor Dean talks about a lot, the bell curve. Okay, We're, we're, we're moving into a bell curve stage again in this church. These are good things, guys, but we got to simply be still and trust. So, let God examine us. Here's what I want us to talk about now in the time remaining. Three ways. Three ways that we need to let God examine us. The psalmist cried out, Lord, examine me. See if there's any way in me. So here's three ways. Three questions. This is what we're going to look at. Are we fit? Are we faithful? And are we fruitful? Are we fit? Are we faithful? Are we fruitful? Okay, let's just get some being transparent. We're going to go ahead and get it out of the way. We're going to start with are we fit? And I'm going to start with physically fit. No, I'm not. There you go. I got it off my chest. I need to get it off my waist, but I got it off my chest. You want to pray for your pastor? Here's how you can pray for me. I already know i got a tough road ahead of me. Janice and Jimmy Carr said amen. <laughs> I already know I'm going to have to do some physical therapy. I'm going to have to, you know, it's, it's coming. I know it. It's coming. Ask yourself, am I taking care of myself? How's your sleeping habits? How's your eating habits? Are you exercising? Guys, if we're going to self-evaluate and we're going to... We're going to be the leaders that God has called us to be. We have instruction in Scripture. Our body is the temple. And again, I am confessing this. I've got to take better care of myself. And I covet your prayers on that. I'm glad Miss Jean in here because she would say, Brother, we've been praying for that for two years now. Anyway, she, she said something like that one night at the Bible study. I said, Well, Miss Jean, you keep praying. <laughs> But we got to take care of us physically fit. Intellectually fit. Are you intellectually fit? Listen, a leader is a learner. You want to be a better leader? Learn. Read some stuff. Read some books. Some good books. 
influential, life-changing books. You want to really impact your life? I'll tell you one of the, my favorite things about what we do in homeschool is we read missionary biographies. Everybody but Luke loves Daddy to read the missionary biographies, right? Because Daddy does voices for the various missionaries. Funny thing is, it's like the Jesus movies are always British. I guess I need to work on my accents. But we, we read... <laughs> thank you, one of y'all got that. Um, but, but we read these missionary stories. And man, I'm telling you, these are some people who are doing some serious work for Christ. Take it even outside the spiritual realm. Maybe you just want to learn how to, how to work on automobiles. Read on it. Study it. Well, I can watch it on YouTube like you, Pastor. Yeah, you can, but man, I'm telling you, try to do some reading too. I do that also. We need to be reading. Grow. Scripture says we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's do that this year. Spiritually fit. Are we growing closer to God? Is my character more Christ-like today than it was a year ago? Am I moving forward in my relationship with Christ? Gang, we need to ask God to search us, try us, examine us. We need to be drawing closer. And He promises you, if you draw closer to Him, He will draw closer to you. May this year we pursue God more intimately that we become spiritually fit. Just like physically, we can... Take a few days off, and then all of a sudden you wake up with this physique. Spiritually, you do the same. We do the same if we're not careful. We get away from those spiritual disciplines, right? Spiritually fit. Fourth, soul fit. What is soul fit? It means, are you involved in relationships that help build you up in your faith and bring accountability? I enjoy my brothers in Christ. i got many of you here that are accountability brothers. Great lunch time with, with Dr. Shook this past week, though I think I might have him convinced to no longer go to Panera with me for lunch every time. Panera. All right. I like the soup. It's good. But I appreciate my brother because, again, accountability partner. Pastor Dean, accountability partner. Pastor Nate, accountability partner. Who's your accountability partner? If you don't have a spiritual influence in your life, Gang, let this be your prayer in 2018. You need someone spiritually to be accountable to. We need to be soul fit. Church, community, hear me. If we want to grow spiritually, we want to be a, a stronger church for the cause of Christ, we need to be soul fit. Question, are we faithful? Are we faithful? Um... Let's look at this. Parenting. Let me ask you that. Parents, are you faithful in your parenting? Is there a commitment to raising our children to know and grow in Christ? You know, I have a responsibility as a pastor that if I can't govern my home, I have no business being a pastor. My career is the only career that I'm aware of that if I lose my family, I lose my profession. You understand that? I understand that. I'm very dependent upon the grace of God. i got four good little sinners right there. they got two good little sinners that are mamas and daddies, right? And there go us, the grace of God. Guys, that's the only difference between us and a lost and dying world is the grace of God. 
So why would I want to step outside that grace? I want to stay as close as I can in that grace because I know how desperately I need that grace. And I know how desperately as a parent I'm botching it and I, therefore I desperately need the grace of God. Managing our homes. Are we faithful in that? Can I just say this? If we want to be better leaders, for some of us, you know what this means? It means less time at the office and more time at home. Let me just say that, guys. Look, I'm going to be very real. Someone is raising your child. Who is it? It should be you. Now, I'm not, don't, don't take this out of context. Somebody as sure as the world is going to go out here huffing and puffing mad. We need to learn the difference between condemnation and conviction. Okay? Here's my point. We have the responsibility to raise our children, not the daycare worker. Now, I recognize, well, brother, you listen to me. Now, I, you don't know my life. i got to work to make ends meet, blah, blah, blah. Guys, this is not a new problem. Children have been around since day one. Or day whatever. Here's my point. Please don't take this as I'm beating you up or browbeating. I'm not. I'm not. I promise you I'm not. I am very, 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 very much for you. And I am pleading this with passion because I am, I am very much for your family. You will be a lot more rewarded in your old age having the blessing of the relationship of your children than you ever did with a job promotion. Because you can't buy back relationship that's lost. That's what I'm trying to encourage you with. Put the main and the plane in front and let's stay with that. Let's move on. I've been meddling. Marriage. I'm going to go there again. Marriage. Is there a commitment to your spouse? Wondering eye? Wondering heart? Wondering mind? Guys, we need a commitment. You said I do. You did. Community, we need to seek God to do self-evaluation in our own hearts and our lives in regards to our marriage and our hearts for our spouse. For those of you who aren't married, let me encourage you. If it's God's plan for your life to be married, you need to start right now preparing your heart for marriage. You need to begin praying for your spouse. Well, I'm not even dating. doesn't matter. Go ahead and start praying for God knows. There needs to be a commitment in our homes. There needs to be commitment in marriage. Because see, what happens is a lot of people get in the drags in marriage. They get into a marriage funk. They get into all the butterflies are gone. Oh, we don't do the things that we used to do. Oh, you don't love me like you used to. You never take me out. You used to buy me roses and write me notes and spray some perfume on it. You don't do that no more. You don't love me no more. I'm done. And that's what it is. It's a big drama from mama or drama from daddy. And it's a big blow up and... Gang, marriage is not built on emotion because if it is, that house is sinking sand. Our marriages are built upon the very commitment of Christ and Christ makes a commitment to His bride. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And if we don't go into marriage with that kind of commitment, you can hang it up. Divorce is not an option in our vocabulary. And listen, for those of you who have been through the mess... You should know better than anybody. That's not something you would ever want somebody to go through. It's been described as death. So where you are right now, I'm talking to where you are right now because God deals in the now. Don't let Satan 
condemn you from the past. That's under the blood. I'm talking about the now. And in the now, honor your marriage. Be committed. And the only way we can do this is in the strength of Christ. Finances. Oh, he had to go there. Faithful. Are you faithful in your finances? I have... Now, let me just make this statement real clear. I make statements real clear all the time, but they somehow they come back to me misconfused. I don't get it. Um, I had it up here a little while ago. Where did it go? Hmm. Must have fell out. Anybody see an envelope with my name on it? Oh, here it was. Yes, actually. <laughs> Quite a bit. Here it is. Okay, you guys know I don't mess. You know my three G's. Pastor, don't mess with the girls. I don't mess with the gold. And I don't mess with the glory. It belongs to God, right? So you pray for that protection. I don't ever want to get caught up in those. That's where, three, that's where pastors fall in those areas, right? The gold, the girls, and the glory. Pray I stay away from those things. With that said, part of my responsibility as a shepherd overseeing this church body, you realize that part of my responsibility is to make sure our church is healthy. Healthy. Now, let me ask you this before we get into the finances. If you were in my shoes and you knew that half of your church wasn't praying, wasn't sharing their faith, and was not coming to church at all. Wouldn't you care enough to want to say something if you knew that, if you were aware of that? Wouldn't you want to, if your heart was really for them and you understood what the blessings of those things are when they're in right relationship with God and what those things can mean in those areas if they're rightly following God, what blessing comes from that? Wouldn't you want to plead with them or tell them or let them know? Okay. That's where I'm going here in finances. Now, I've asked my deacons because, I, again, I don't look at the stuff. I don't want to know. You guys are a number to them. Let me just say that. You're a number to them in that when they log in stuff that you put into the plate, you're a number. All right? So don't go, well, I don't like this a bit. Guys, hear me out. Because I think this is just as important. I, in fact, I say it's even more important. Because the last thing that God usually gets in a person is their wallet. And I, I, listen, let me just say loud and clear, your pastor and his wife were not any different. I walked with the Lord for a number of years before he got my wallet. Okay? So I'm with you in, in that. But let me tell you what I've learned on the other side. Wow. I wish I would have known from day one. I wish I'd have, I wish I would have, sorry God, I wish I would have listened so with that said, here's what I know. And I don't know peoples, and I never want to know peoples in this sense. But we have seven people in this church who give small amounts. We have 20 people in this church that are not tithing. Now for those of you who don't know what a tithe is, the tithe is a tenth of what we bring home. A tenth of what we bring home. And this is sort of an Old Testament principle 
Um, New Testament is grace-giving. Uh, it does imply there's a proportion that should be given at the first of each week. You know, Why I give once a month? Don't, don't get too caught up in the, in the details of the wooden literal. The point is, this has always been taught, and I believe it's a, a tenth is a starting point. Um, I believe under grace, it demands more. That's just my, where I'm at. And listen, by the way, you, I'll say it again. I say it every year. Every one of you at any time can go to any of my deacons, any of the deacons, your deacons, and ask them, it, it, what is the pastor giving? You can look at what I give. I'm an open book on that, okay? Because I will never, ever stand here and ask you to do something that I'm not leading by example, okay? And you already know, you have all my numbers. You vote on it every year, <laughs> and we're grateful. But you're also welcome to that. So let me just say that as I go through this, lest anybody, you know, We have 16 that are tithing, at least a tenth. And we have seven who are giving above and beyond their tithes and offerings. 50 families represented. I don't know who you are. You know who you are, and God knows who you are, and He probably has put a finger on it. Because I trust. He will, just like He did in my life. But let me encourage you and beg you from someone who's been through the dragon that and the cocoon in that, let God have His way. You will not be disappointed. God told in Malachi, the Old Testament, the people of Israel, He said, look, you, you're... You panel your own homes and you do all these things and yet you neglect the work of God in the house of God. And he says, stop robbing from God. He said, all right, I test me in this. Pour into that and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot handle. You know what God's point was? And you know what this pastor's point is in this moment? Trust God in the area of finances. Take a step of faith in response to whatever He challenges you to do in response to what I'm saying. Just simply trust God in that area. And you better hold on. Because God is faithful. He is faithful. But guys, we got to be willing to exercise our faith. You said, but, but preacher, you don't know my bills. I'm up again. You get along with God in the cocoon and let Him talk to you in this point. But just simply obey what He tells you to do. We had to get to that point. We had barely money left over at the end of the month and put it in the plate. And we never could understand why we couldn't make ends meet. And then stuff would, you know, it was just like one thing after another, one thing after another, and we just couldn't get traction. And then God challenged my heart and my wife's at the same time and began to speak with us and deal with us, and we actually had conversation about it. There's an idea. Couples communicate. We actually began to talk about it. And then we decided to trust God, and we began to first fruits. Check came in, first fruits. Put it in the plate and trust God for the outcome. And you know what happened? We never went without. 
not in the areas of needs. There were sacrifices that had to be made, and there are sacrificial things we can do. Are we faithful in the area of finances? Career. What about career? Are you faithful in your career? You know, there's a commitment. Is there a commitment to your calling? There should be. Are you operating in your most effective area? Let me say that. Some of you may be in the drag in your work because you're not in a place where you were uniquely designed to be. God has gifted you with other skills and talents. Dream with me for a second. What do you love to do? What excites you? Well, I don't think I can get paid playing video games. All right, come on, work with me. Maybe you need to read some books so you can design video games. I don't know. But gang, I can tell you, you want to take care of a lot of issues. Sometimes, if, and look, I know we can't, some of you say, well, brother, I'm too far in bed. But again, let God deal with you where you are. But I think a lot of us could greatly benefit if we begin to operate in the most effective areas of our life where there's passion, where there's desire, and that that is our career pursuit. When you actually enjoy waking up and doing what you do, that's a good day. And if that's not where you're at, maybe you need to ask God. Open that door. Where is He leading my heart? Because sometimes it, it, it is okay to go do something different. You just need to hear where God is leading in that. And last, are we fruitful? Are we fruitful? Two areas I want us to focus on and are we fruitful? Are we fruitful in leading the lost to Christ? Community Baptist Church, hear me. Are we leading the lost to Christ? Are we influencing others to come to know Christ? At the church that uh, Pastor Steve uh, uh, pastors in Dallas, they have what's called an impact card. So here's what I want us to do right now. Exercise, application, Bible lesson, application right here now. I want you to write on that piece of paper you have. If you don't, get out a piece of paper or card. I've got mine right here. And I want you to write down three names. Three names. We're almost done, folks. We're almost done. Three names. Who's God putting on your heart that you need to witness to that does not know Jesus Christ? You say, well, I don't know anybody that's lost. You need to get some new friends. Seriously. If, if I, I don't know somebody who's lost, I'm too much in my bubble. That salt needs to get out of the shaker. I'm all for insulation, not isolation. I get that right? Yeah, see, I told you Nate teaches up. I like it. Gang, who is a lost family or couple that's in your circle of influence? You are a leader called to them. Those three names, three people to witness to, to pray for, and invite to church. That's our 2018 application from this visionary sermon right there. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, surely we can do that. We've got a whole year to do it. One, three people, three people, 
lost, you can pray for and invite to church. I've got mine. Guys, this is what we were designed to do. This is why Christ came. To seek and to save that which is lost. There's lost people all around us. And your purpose, church, my purpose, church, is to reach these people. Other Christians, are we fruitful in this area? Are we fruitful with other Christians influencing others in discipleship? Now look, I'm going I'm to claim responsibility on this one. I wanna, again, one of the accountability meetings with Dr. Shook the other day, I appreciated this. In love, he, we were talking in dialogue, and I asked him, man, what was it? And he opened and he said, hey, whatever happened to the discipleship thing that we were working on? Great point. Honestly, I told him, I said, right afterwards, you know, we did all the legwork. I actually prayed over it and and asked God to help me match people to, to, to prayerfully consider. And so there were these various options. And the goal was I was going to present back to you guys as Timothys, who, who would you feel led to gather with as a Paul to allow them to pour into your life. And of course, the idea was just sort of get together and, and have some coffee and talk about what God's doing in your life and maybe reading some scripture together. Life happened. Still got the information sitting on my desk at my computer. So Lord willing, in my cocoon over the next three weeks, I'm going to prayerfully ask God on this again. And I hope you'll be willing to be a Paul to a Timothy. I hope you'll be willing to be a Timothy to a Paul. And I hope we'll all be a Barnabas and encourage each other, right? All right, it's 16 minutes and 48 seconds overtime. So let's wrap this up. Galatians 2, 16 to 20 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We've been studying through Hebrews, and we understand this concept that a lot of those Israelites wanted to go back into the things they knew and were comfortable with. And many of you Christians, you want to do the same thing. We want to live in the flesh. But God didn't set us free from the flesh through the law. He fulfilled the law. He has made us righteous in Him. Mine and your identity is in Him. And if we're going to be the leaders He wants us to be, then that's where we must find our answer. Conclusion, God has called you. He has. God has equipped you. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, see me. We'll, we'll, fi we'll find it in Scripture. We'll pray about it. We'll find out what God has equipped you. Because if you're a born-again believer, you have a gift. 
God desires that we be fit, faithful, and fruitful for the sake of the gospel. He leads, we follow. You lead, they'll follow. Let's be in 2018 who God called us to be. The church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder today of, um, again, who, who we are in Christ, who you've called us to be. And Lord, I, I would ask that you move on our hearts. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that it wasn't uh, too abrasive in areas. You know that's not my desire. It's not my heart. But Lord, I do pray that we would truly be before a holy and just God, honest enough, transparent enough to let you search us. And Lord, I will close with that thought. Search me. Try me. Consume all my darkness. And Lord, may our desire in 2018 be individuals in a church that lets their light shine for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.